Welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jaden Becker. Andrade has no non-compete clause after his release. Charlotte Flair tested positive for COVID-19, and I take you through what's possibly next for Andrade's pro wrestling career. I'm Jaden Becker, and this is the Daily DDT Podcast. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite platforms for your morning drive, lunch break, or whenever you need your wrestling fix. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at dailyddt.com and if you want to hear more from me give me a follow on twitter and instagram at jaden becker tv last night was wwe monday night raw but before we get into that let's check out our news Andrade has no non-compete clause. According to Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer, Andrade's WWE release did not include a 90-day no-compete clause. This means he's able to wrestle for any promotion he wants immediately with no issue. In theory, he could show up on AEW Dynamite this week. He can show up in Impact. He can show up wherever he wants to because he is free to sign anywhere he wants to at this moment right now. There's nothing holding him back. Previously, if you remember when Miro or Rusev was released from the WWE, uh, he he had to wait 90 days before he can re-sign with a or sign with another company. He ended up signing with AEW, and uh, later on we're going to be talking about uh, what Andrade should do next. But we might not see him on TV this week. Giving the next piece of news, Charlotte Flair has tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, as we all know, Charlotte Flair and Andrade are engaged at the moment. Uh, on Twitter, Charlotte Flair announced that she has tested positive. Uh, the tweet reads. Quote, I know everyone has been wondering where I have been. I tested positive for COVID and have been home resting. Thank you, everyone, for your love. Uh, some people had speculated that Charlotte Flair had been taken off WWE TV after it was reported that Andrade, her fiancé, had asked for a release from the company. However, the two are reportedly not linked at all. And hopefully things stay unlinked between Flair and Andrade or else that is going to be a big, big, big issue in my book. Charlotte Flair obviously did not appear in uh, Monday Night Raw last night, but her name was mentioned. We're going to get right into our review for last night's Monday Night Raw, but first let us thank our sponsor, Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsessed over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Manscaped has created the best ball hair trimmer ever, the Lawnmower 3.0. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. I now feel confident shaving my boys. We have an exclusive offer for my listeners, 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That is FANSIDED20, all caps, at manscaped.com at checkout. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Getting into last night's Monday Night Raw, the show opened up with Bobby Lashley taking on Sheamus in a one-on-one matchup. No title on the line here as Bobby Lashley is the current WWE champion. Uh, Sheamus still battered after his match with McIntyre on Fastlane that was a Sunday night, but holding his own early on. Uh, Cedric Alexander ringside trying to help Lashley, but almost cost him the match with a Sheamus roll-up, but Lashley kicks out. Sheamus' efforts are overpowered by the Hurt Lock by Bobby Lashley to win the match. Uh, the Hurt Business attacks Sheamus after the match as Drew McIntyre enters to save Sheamus, even though that they had a blowout fight and a huge match at Fastlane. McIntyre still coming to save 
Sheamus. McIntyre dares Lashley to hit him, but Lashley is pushed away by MVP. Their match at Mania, I believe, is going to be absolutely fantastic. Throughout the night, Bobby Lashley was yelling at Cedric Alexander and uh, Shelton Benjamin given the fact that uh, Bobby Lashley believed that he could have taken Sheamus on his own without any help or assistance from Alexander MVP describing to uh, the Hurt Business tag team there that uh, the that the ability for Bobby Lashley to win that match was uh, almost corrupted and that Bobby Lashley's image was, was corrupted as well given that now it looks like that he can't beat Sheamus one-on-one. He needed the assistance of Alexander, which is nice because that is genuinely how when these things are booked, it kind of looks like. But uh, for them to describe it in that way, I felt like it was really, really nice. It wasn't purling back the curtain or anything like that, but it, it, it was a direct line of what we're thinking and what they're thinking as well. Next match, Asuka versus Peyton Royce. Uh, Royce is all business on her way to the ring. Uh, Royce got this match after cutting a promo on Raw Talk. I need to start watching more of those and uh, talking smack because uh, supposedly, and I, I do watch from time to time, but I don't watch all the time, but supposedly a lot of people really enjoy Raw Talk and talking smack and because they're like promo segments that for people that don't really get too much TV time on the main show, so they get to have that little extra time on the side that doesn't really affect the main show, and this can work in multiple places more than just the WWE. I feel like this can work outside the WWE as well and uh, anywhere that you want to do a sports entertainment type of idea. Uh, if you want to get uh, someone over or if you want to uh, build a character or if you just try to promote the show in any way, it might be a better idea instead of doing it directly on the show itself uh, you move it over to like a social media or an outlet to uh, promote whatever you're trying to promote WWE does a great job with that with Raw Talk and uh, with Talking Smack AEW with the Being the Elite and the Dark Order segments as well uh, online you see that on YouTube all over the place they do a fantastic job with that and it just draws in viewership it's really really smart move from the uh, professional wrestling world uh, Royce in this match using her Mac game to her advantage. A nasty landing for Asuka uh, hanging up on the ropes, being whipped down onto the apron. Nasty spot there for Asuka. Asuka's been taking a couple nasty spots lately, if I do say so myself. Uh, Asuka picks up the pace, but Royce is very resilient in this match. Asuka wins with the Asuka lock, even though a great effort from Peyton Royce. Uh, Rhea Ripley. Uh, makes her entrance after Asuka picks up the win. Uh, she makes her way down to the ring to go face-to-face -face with Asuka. Charlotte Flair uh, recovering from COVID. They announced that directly from uh, the mouth of Rhea Ripley on WWE television. Uh, at the time, uh, I, I felt like it was a little off-putting because even though it was announced on Twitter, I didn't really feel like it was necessary for her to say that on WWE television. I feel like with that being said on the television itself, makes me believe Flair's going to be out uh, from quite some time, not from sickness from COVID or anything like that, but after she recovers from COVID, I don't think she she might not be back until after Mania, or they put her in a triple threat match, Rhea Ripley involved with with uh, Asuka, Flair, and then Rhea Ripley for a match at Mania for the Raw Women's Championship. Uh, Rhea Ripley challenges Asuka at Mania for the Raw Women's Championship, and Asuka accepts. I think Rhea Ripley is going to take the belt off of Asuka. Asuka has held this belt for way too long, and the perfect opponent, and a, finally a legitimate opponent on uh, Monday Night Raw is Rhea Ripley for all the stuff that she was able to do in NXT, former uh, NXT UK Women's Champion, former NXT Women's Champion. Uh, we saw the match between Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley at last year's WrestleMania that was fantastic and a show opener at that, and a well-deserving show opener. Uh, I feel like 
Rhea Ripley is a, a great talent and is definitely deserving of a Raw Women's Championship, even though she's brand new onto the main roster scene. There's no reason why not in my head. She has deserved it all from everything she's done in NXT. Now move up to the main roster, give her that match against Asuka, and I say why not put the belt on her. Asuka has held that belt for a very, very long time and hasn't really done much with it to a point where uh, it was very shocking or anything like that. There hasn't really been any huge feuds with Asuka with that championship so uh, it would be fun to see uh, what Asuka does uh, next going forward after uh, Wrestlemania Miss TV segment uh, this was like a Wrestlemania version of it if you will this is how they sort of dubbed it uh, the Miz says, who do you think you are to Bad Bunny, even though Bad Bunny wasn't in the ring? Uh, he's saying, who do you think you are coming into our home and our business and uh, trying to not only come as a guest, but then trying to take over? Uh, brings up the disrespect the Miz and Morrison feel by WWE not adding them to the WrestleMania poster, even though Bad Bunny is on that poster. Uh, they announce uh, Miz and Morrison that they're coming out with a new song, Hey Hey Hop Hop, a jab at Bad Bunny. Uh, a Latin music parody from Miz and Morrison. I think that's absolutely fantastic. A genius idea. Uh, we saw them make a Hey Hey Ho Ho music video. And I feel like there was uh, one more. Like Hey Hey Ho Ho. <laughs> so I don't even remember. Uh, that was way, way back. And that was when they were on SmackDown, I believe. And uh, now they're making Hey Hey Hop Hop. Uh, this, they heard a, a snippet of it. It's sort of like a Latin music type of de- thing. And uh, I, that's really, really nice. Good move on Miz and Morris. I think that's going to be fun. Uh, the Miz challenges Bad Bunny to a match at WrestleMania. And uh, we'll find out later if that will be a yes or a no. Uh, the Miz does have a match. Uh, Miz versus Jeff Hardy. Hardy asked for Morrison to uh, leave ringside, and the Miz obliges. And the Miz says, "You know what? I don't, I don't need Morrison ringside." And uh, Morrison heads to the back, and it's a one-on-one between the Miz and Jeff Hardy. I thought that was a, a nice dynamic there for Hardy to go on the microphone and say, uh, "You to be a man and go against me one-on-one." I thought that was nice. Uh, Hardy rallies, getting uh, his his advantage uh, early on, and doing the vintage vintage Hardy moves that we all know with the the double leg drop to the crotch and. You know, all, all the, the Hardy moves that we fall in love with as a kid. Uh, the Miz reverses a twist of faith, throwing Hardy into the ring post, and then a skull-crushing finale for the clean win over Jeff Hardy. So the Miz picking up a nice win there. Bad Bunny returns the favor from last week by attacking the Miz with a guitar right across the back. And Bad Bunny accepts the Miz challenge for a match at WrestleMania. This is going to be a one-on-one match, at least how it currently stands. A one-on-one match with Bad Bunny taking on the Miz. I'm a little bit upset that Priest isn't in the match. I felt like it would have made sense for Priest to be involved given the fact that he's the actual wrestler in this situation and Bad Bunny is not. So it would be a protection there for Bad Bunny in a sense of not not in, in, in ring action, but in a sense of Bad Bunny not really knowing what to do. So Priest does know what to do. So uh, he, he would be able to carry Bad Bunny throughout. And Bad Bunny put does a couple spots here and there, whatever, whatever. And the whole point of this, I felt, was for Bad Bunny to get Damian Priest over. And I feel like he's doing a good job at that right now. But you got to give Priest involved in the match, not just in a ringside role, but I feel like in a tag team role. And it's not like The Miz is not in a tag team. He has Morrison there as well. So uh, it would make the most sense for me for Damian Priest and Bad Bunny to take that victory over Miz and Morrison to help get Damian Priest over in the 
long run. But if it's just a match between Bad Bunny and The Miz, I have no problem with that either. I think if it was a one-night WrestleMania, then maybe I felt like there's no reason for this match to be on this card. In a show that's already so, so long, we already have enough matches. But in a two-day WrestleMania, why not? Just throw it in there. I, I don't have a problem with it. It, it two, you know, that's two pay-per-views back to back. That's five hours total. You got to fill the time somehow, and it's not going to be as hard to digest given that we're not watching it all in five hours in a row. We're watching two and a half one, and a two and a half in another. Why not? I, I don't see a problem with it. I really don't. Uh, next match is AJ Styles with Omos versus Kofi Kingston. Uh, as we all know, AJ Styles and Omos are taking on the New Day for the Raw Tag Team Championships at WrestleMania. This will be Omos's in-ring debut, which I'm extremely excited for. A pre-match promo from Styles and Omos hyping up their Raw Tag Team title match at Mania. The New Day enter and still don't believe Omos and Styles are a team. The New Day try to pin Omos and Styles against each other uh, by asking AJ Styles uh, questions about Omos like, uh, what's his favorite color? What's his favorite ice cream? Who's his favorite wrestler? And AJ Styles getting them all wrong. So, I thought that was, it was okay. It wasn't like my favorite thing in the world, but I thought the New Day doing their thing. You know, they've been doing their thing for a long time. And I, I talked about it on a couple podcasts ago. Is the New Day the greatest tag team of all time? How many title reigns did they have? They had the longest uh, reigning WWE tag team champions ever in, in one sitting. So uh, they, they've done everything right. And they keep on moving forward. And I think they even made a, a couple of jokes uh, a while back when they won the Raw tag team titles. And they're like, we don't even know what we're doing anymore. We just, we just keep on winning them. It just keeps on happening. He's like, you could be mad. We're just, we're, we're as confused as you are. That's what it seemed like, which I thought was pretty funny. As the match begins between AJ Styles and Kofi Kingston back and forth early on, uh, Woods ringside's giving analysts to the camera, which I thought was a cute moment. Uh, action falls outside in front of Omos. Styles takes advantage, throwing Kingston into the steel steps. Styles reverses the SOS into a calf crusher, but Kingston reaches the ropes. Styles tries to go for a phenomenal forearm, but it's a distracting moment for uh, AJ Styles as Woods blows into the trombone, making a loud noise. The distraction allows Kingston to reverse the forearm into an SOS to win the match. A good win there by Kingston uh, and a good moment there by Woods to not get directly involved in the match, but just by blowing that horn and slowly stopping AJ Styles right there. Uh, I think it's really, really nice. And honestly, this is going to help make Omos look strong at Mania given uh, I'm hoping Styles and Omos win this match here so almost looks really 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 strong especially in his debut or when they lose it's AJ Styles the one getting pinned I don't want to see almost get pinned here ever honestly I don't ever want to see him get pinned at least not for a very very long time they have so much they, they talk about WWE booking someone to success they, when they know how to book a big guy and they, they've booked him pretty well you know he hasn't been in a physical match I believe, ever in the WWE, and now making his in-ring debut at WrestleMania, every time he's had a physical interaction, he's never been downed or uh, uh, hurt in any way. He's always, every time, you could put, I remember, they tried to hit him with a steel chair, and the chair broke across his back, and he just turned around as if it was nothing. Omos is an absolute beast of a figure, and uh, I can't wait to see what he can do in-ring. They've booked him like an absolute monster, 
And uh, I'm super duper excited. Super duper excited. Seamus backstage. Seamus attacking Riddle backstage after being annoyed by Riddle, who is not. But uh, I'm not saying the viewer is, but all the, the wrestlers backstage are. I think that dynamic is funny. And uh, Seamus attacking Riddle. Uh, I like this idea of put, putting the belt on Seamus possibly next, or at least having that be the feud going into Mania. I think Seamus has earned it, and Riddle hasn't really done much with the belt yet. And I wouldn't really want to give Seamus another loss here, but uh, this would keep Riddle involved in, in uh, storylines here, moving back and forth. Uh, you you could take the belt off of Riddle and then give it to Seamus and then take it off of Sheamus to someone else and then back to Riddle. Riddle could stay in that mid-card for a little bit as he gets a little bit more seasoned in the main roster. He's already off to a fantastic start getting the United States Championship a, a solid mid-card title pretty early on in his main card run. So uh, I'm excited to see what he's able to do next, but I want to see Sheamus uh, be rewarded for what he was able to do with McIntyre. Those few matches that he had with him, I believe it was three or four. Uh, the, the, I think it was three matches that he had that were all pretty fantastic matches with McIntyre. And I give not only credit to McIntyre, but to Sheamus as well, because they both put on a fantastic show. Speaking of Drew McIntyre, Drew McIntyre has a match versus the Hurt Business, both Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander. Uh, this match is to determine if the Hurt Business can be ringside at WrestleMania if uh, McIntyre wins. So McIntyre wins that match. Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander lost in there for a second. They won't be able to be ringside at WrestleMania. Uh, this match was made earlier on in the night as the Hurt Business was trying to uh, repay Bobby Lashley, if you will, for um, making his image look bad. And then Drew McIntyre, to sweeten the pot, added the extra stipulation. McIntyre in control early on. Uh, in this not, I wouldn't say in a surprising sense as McIntyre is a beast, but McIntyre in control attacking both Benjamin and Alexander with no issue. Alexander drops McIntyre with a huge dive through the ropes to the outside. Uh, McIntyre fights back with a Glasgow kiss to Benjamin. And McIntyre connects with a Claymore kick. Uh, turning Alexander inside out for the win. Alexander really took the huge backflip bump there. Nice spot there from Alexander for the uh, selling the Claymore. So now the Hurt Business can't be ringside later on the night. Bobby Lashley goes up to the lower card of the WWE. So everyone that you can imagine being in that lower card for the 24-7 uh, title. So Humberto Carrillo, Drew Gulak, Akira Tozawa, uh, I believe Lucha House Party was also there. Uh, I, I can't remember the rest of the names. It's a little bit of a blur, but um, he went to that uh, like locker room area with all the 24-7 guys and told them if anyone could take out Drew McIntyre before WrestleMania, they'd get a shot at the WWE Championship, which is a great way to get the lower card involved. Manny Rhodes and Dana Brooke take on Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler with Reginald ringside. Uh, Reginald is just doing fantastic, fantastic flips up and down the entrance ramp. And then even during the match, he was doing flips on his own. Lana and Naomi are on commentary for this one. Surprised that, you know, on Raw, someone on commentary, you rarely see it. But on SmackDown, it's every other match. You got someone on commentary. Jax is pretty preoccupied uh, in the beginning of the match with Reginald to pay attention to what is actually going on in the ring. But Reginald ends up helping Jax and Baszler, being the great distraction to help them pick up the victory with Nia Jax uh, winning with the Samoan drop. Uh, they pick up the win there, and uh, this wasn't a title match, but Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler obviously look great. The rest of the tag team division slowly making its way up. I'm glad that Shayna, uh, excuse me, I'm glad that uh, one of the bright points from Fastlane is that Bianca Belair and 
uh, Sasha Banks aren't women's tag team champions, not because they don't deserve to be, but only because it just doesn't make sense for them at this moment, especially given that they have their match at WrestleMania, of course. And I feel like it would have soured the women's tag team division going forward. So I'm happy to see the belt still on an established tag team. We just have to find another established tag team to actually go up against them and be a legitimate challenge. Once again, I feel like that could have came from NXT, but now that they made their own uh, women's tag team titles for NXT, I have no clue what it's going to be next for Jax and Baszler as they're going to have to find some opponent, whether it is Lana and Naomi, whether it is Brooks and Rose, whether, whether it is... Um, the Riot Squad at this point, hopefully maybe the Iconics get back together. I'm still waiting for that day to come. We haven't seen Billy Kay on TV for quite some time. Uh, let me remind you with that. So uh, we could see something brewing there, but maybe after this uh, Peyton Royce match that we just saw uh, might be a little bit more time. But I want to see more Billy Kay. I miss her. Next match, and this is actually the main event of uh, the night. Braun Strowman versus Elias with Jackson Riker and Shane McMahon. Shane McMahon and Elias in a pre-match promo. Uh, Shane McMahon and Elias singing a song called Braun Strowman is Stupid. Of course, that is the title of the song. Uh, Strowman dominant as the match starts, but Elias trying his best to give a last-ditch effort. Strowman does the Strowman Express with a train horn playing in the background. I'm not sure if this is the first time I've heard it or if this is brand new. Uh, I'm trying to think back to I feel like I would have remembered if I heard that train horn hit with him doing the Stormic Express. I thought this was a little Bush League. I felt like this wasn't uh, necessary for him to have that. I think with his speed and presence running around the ring is enough for me to understand that a freight train of a man is running around the ring annihilating people by with shoulder tackles. I don't need the, the train whistle there to help me acknowledge that as well. Uh, Strowman wins with a running power slam. Uh, McMahon attacks Strowman with a crutch after the match to no effect. And McMahon runs away, proving uh, that he faked the uh, knee injury that took him uh, away from the match at Fastlane. Uh, Strowman demands for a match at WrestleMania, and McMahon accepts. And not only does he accept, he also accepts uh, a match of Strowman's choosing. So any stipulation uh, McMahon will be happy to have. Uh, once again, I'm taking the over-under. we got to find out what the line is going to be, what is the height that Shane McMahon is going to jump off of. Is it going to be 20 feet? Is it going to be 30 feet? Is it going to be 40 feet? So we'll set the line somewhere. So maybe 25, maybe 30. And uh, if you set the line there, you got to bet the over or the under. If it's going to be higher than that, it's going to be lower than that. we got to take into account not only Shane McMahon's age, but what he has jumped off in the past. He jumped off the hell in the cell. He jumped off a couple sets back in the day. Uh, I'm not sure uh, if he's going to be able to do that now at his age, but maybe he will. Maybe he takes that big bump for WrestleMania in front of a live crowd at WrestleMania in front of 25,000 fans. Yeah, definitely possible. Definitely possible. Moving on to our last segment of the night, uh, I, as I mentioned, the Braun Strowman Elias match was the main event of Raw, but this was like the main ending segment of the show as it was fading to black. Uh, Randy Orton summons The Fiend. Uh, this comes after uh, The Fiend appeared at Fastlane, causing Randy Orton to lose his match versus Alexa Bliss. Uh, Randy Orton says, uh, after tonight, the BS comes to an end. He said, not BS, but he said the full word there. Uh, Alexa Bliss enters, uh, plays uh, the jack-in-the-box that she's been teasing at for quite some time and lets it pop uh, for the jack-in-the-box to come out. The lights go out and the fiend appears and the mangled fiend it is. I think it, he looks absolutely great. Orton 
came to the ring with a black bag and that inside that black bag uh, it was revealed that Orton had a gasoline canister and inside that gasoline canister obviously gasoline he dumped it onto the fiend and the fiend not moving very stoic staying there in one spot and as Orton uh, made the move to light it the fiend moved close and Randy Orton uh, didn't drop the match but he hit the Fiend with an RKO. Alexa Bliss enters the ring into a face-to-face -face confrontation with Randy Orton, allowing The Fiend to rise up. A mandible claw by The Fiend into a sister Abigail, and then a match is set for WrestleMania. They actually showed in the uh, the match card, like the, the picture of Randy Orton and The Fiend standing next to each other, they actually showed a picture of The Fiend not in the lighting that we've seen him in the past two times that we've recently seen him in the the reddish or purplish lighting. Now we saw him make perfectly, perfectly crystal clear, and he looks awesome. If you have a chance to go Google that, uh, he looks absolutely fantastic, fantastic. The fiend, the new mask is great. He just looks like he smells, which is a great thing. You know, you <laughs> if it's smellovision and it's just the guy looks like he smells, that's when you know you're doing something right. I feel like. The Fiend and Bray Wyatt has been always moving in the right direction. Bray Wyatt just knows storytelling, and I feel like the storytelling has been great. I know a few people that have been turned off by it a little bit and saying, oh, finally it's going to be over at WrestleMania. I don't think it's going to be over at WrestleMania between Orton and The Fiend. I feel like they might go a little bit further, even though WrestleMania is the pinnacle, if you will. I feel like there might be one more after the fact, or because I, I only wonder what The Fiend is going to do. Uh, after this, like, what what is the Fiend gonna do in, after this in this mangled form? Is Bray Wyatt gonna return in any way, shape, or form? That will be fun to see as well because I miss Bray Wyatt as well as much as I did miss the Fiend along with it. Uh, for final grade of this show, oh, this is a tough one because I haven't really put uh, that much uh, intense thought into the grading here. Uh, I'm gonna go with a C plus because there's nothing really here that really wowed me, but they're moving in the right direction. I might even go bump that up to a B minus because even though nothing here really wowed me, may possibly accept the ending between Randy Orton and the Fiend. I uh, didn't enjoy that. Uh, Everything is moving in a, in a general right direction at this moment. Uh, that's some maybe something opposite I could say about SmackDown and what they're doing with the Bianca Belair stuff. But everything's moving in the right direction towards WrestleMania. We're on the fast lane towards WrestleMania. All all gears ahead, and uh, I'm happy to see Raw at least putting on a decent show uh, on the road to WrestleMania because you know how quick things can go sour in a three-hour show for Monday Night Raw. We're going to head into the break, but when we come back, I'm going to be talking about Andrade, who is a free agent currently in the pro wrestling world. And as I mentioned earlier in the news segment, he does not have a 90-day no-compete clause. So uh, if in a perfect world where there was no COVID or anything like that, we could see him uh, this Wednesday on AEW Dynamite. We could see him uh, tonight on Impact Wrestling. Why not? We can see him anywhere. We can see him go to Japan. And I'm going to talk about it all right here on the Daily DDT Podcast. Something you're not going to want to miss. Stick around right here. On this day in pro wrestling history, on March 23rd, 1997, WWF had WrestleMania 13 from the Rosemont Horizon in Chicago, Illinois. The WrestleMania had the lowest buy rate for a WrestleMania ever. 
The Royal Rumble two months earlier got more buys, only one of two times that's happened in WWF history, the other was in 1991. The show also didn't sell out in person, the first and only time that has happened in company history for a WrestleMania. The show was main evented with The Undertaker defeating Psycho Sid in a no disqualification match for the WWF Championship. That win for The Undertaker gave him his first WWF Championship since 1991. WrestleMania 13 is best known for the match between Bret Hart and Steve Austin. A bloodied Austin passed out after being in the sharpshooter. Uh, Bret Hart continued to attack Austin until he was stopped by Ken Shamrock, who was a special guest referee for the match. Hart left with a chorus of boos, leaving him a heel going on throughout the rest of the year and uh, throughout the rest of his time in the WWF. Stone Cold Steve Austin, however, uh, left as the babyface as he walked away under his own power, refusing help, uh, making him the man of the hour. And uh, to a chorus of cheers, so someone that passed out, never tapped out, passed out with the blood rushing down his face. Want to talk? I, I talk about visuals all the time on the Daily DDT podcast. I talk about how sometimes this, uh, the cinematography works. And when you capture a fantastic visual, even the blood rushing down the face of Austin into his mouth as he's screaming in that sharpshooter and then passing out. A great, great visual. And arguably, arguably, this was the start of the Attitude Era at that very moment. Some people will argue against that. Some people would say it's when uh, Austin say said uh, won the King of the Ring, and Austin three sixteen just kicked your ass and all that stuff. You know, you could say that, and you know, you can go a bunch of different places as well uh, with the Attitude Era when when it actually started. But this is arguably a point where that was. Looking at today's world of professional wrestling. And for one star in particular, Andrade, what's going to be next for him? Oh, so many questions and so much potential that we can find for Andrade. And let's give a reminder, once again, Andrade's contract does not include a 90-day no-compete clause, meaning if Charlotte Flair didn't have COVID, didn't test positive, Charlotte Flair, the fiancé of Andrade, there is a possible chance that we could see him on Impact this Tuesday, which would be tonight, and it, there's a chance that we could see him this Wednesday on uh, AW. You know, we could see him anywhere. We could see him anywhere. Not in WWE, obviously, but we could see him anywhere given that he does not have to wait those extra 90 days after he's released before he can go somewhere else. So he could be, uh, right now, something could be in the works for him to get a new contract. And uh, speaking of a place to find a new contract, let's start off with the most popular pick for Andrade to go next, AEW. This is probably the betting man's favorite as AEW has been on the leading edge of signing talent dropping from the WWE from time and time again. They were able to get Miro. They were able to get Brody Lee. They were able to get Pac. They were able to get John Moxley. Uh, I, they were able to get uh, multiple names. I you know, could run through my head. And they were able to get a lot of people under contract after the first wave of signings back in 2019. They were able to get another wave of signings in 2020. And uh, for them to able to build a roster around former WWE talent, it we can assume that Andrade can be looking in that same direction. I would think for Andrade, at least for his sake, to have a conversation with a few stars that are there at AEW right now and feel his way out for the current situation of those those stars and see how they're doing. And uh, going to AEW might not 
hurt Andrade, but I hope AEW finds a way to help him other than announcing uh, his AEW de- debut and saying, oh, Andrade is all elite. And then that's the, the most we hear from him for the next few months as storylines uh, you know, find him pushing against the tide. Andrade could be a TNT champion, no problem, in my opinion. I think Andrade could be a fantastic TNT champion. He could live in that TNT division for a long time. And then Andrade, I still firmly believe has enough talent to be the AEW world champion not right now not as it currently stands but if it's the right time and the right story now with Kenny Omega trying to take every belt in the professional wrestling industry but uh, if it currently stands where Andrade has the opportunity to win the AEW championship I think he can get there I think he has a potential for that that his ceiling is is immaculate he can find his way up very very high because he's a fantastic fantastic in-ring worker Another place where Andrade can go, and this might be an alternative for Andrade, given that he's worked there uh, previously, is New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, Before he made his way to the WWE, he worked there for numerous years uh, for New Japan. He went under the ring name La Sombra and fought with a lucha mask, mostly in a tag team as a specialist tag team uh, form like that. But he did face Nakamura, Shinsuke Nakamura, for then the IWGP Intercontinental title. So obviously that's a pretty big moment to not only go for an IWGP Intercontinental title, but also to face Shinsuke Nakamura, who at the time was the hottest thing in pro wrestling in the early 2010s, mid-2010s, if you will. And he, he, Nakamura was the hottest thing in New Japan, and for Andrade to have that match with him, uh, really, really a, a big then, and uh, obviously big now looking back on where they've both gone but new japan is a spot for him uh would it be great for us the fan no because it's only going to be uh you know the japanese viewer and the fans here in the states that are really into new japan that really get to enjoy all of that at aw obviously we are a lot more visible not only to us but to the wwe as well knowing that he went to the absolute direct competition of the wwe which is aw at the moment here's an oddball one for you Impact Wrestling. Uh, I, I say oddball landing place, especially now with Kenny Omega, as I mentioned, from AEW of all places, going for the Impact World Championship. However, Andrade can easily, easily enter on his first day and be a legitimate World Championship contender at Impact Wrestling on his arrival, on his absolute arrival, not even on after his first or second feud, on his ar- arrival, he can be an Impact World Championship contender. And if Andrade had a match with Rich Swan with no Kenny Omega involved, protecting the Kenny Omega story that isn't even happening right now, if it was Andrade, which is Rich Swan, I think I take Rich Swan, uh, excuse me, I take Andrade 10 out of 10 times. I take Andrade to win that match over and over and over again. I think he would blow Richwan out the water, even though I think Richwan's a great talent. When you're signing a new guy like that, and not only a new guy that, that's going to make waves around the world of professional wrestling, Andrade, wherever he goes, you put that you put the world title on him if you're Impact Wrestling. I can't say the same about AEW, given the guy that holds it is Kenny Omega. That's a completely different story for him to get there. But I do believe Andrade has the talent to be uh, a, a top-level guy in any company. And would it be weird right now? Sure, it's going to be weird wherever he goes right now to see him uh, in, in any different company that's not the WWE, uh, no matter where he goes. But he can definitely solidify himself as a top star at Impact. He can solidify himself as a fantastic TNT champion over at AEW. And in New Japan, he can go back to his roots and uh, maybe find himself once again if he's even looking for that. 
But uh, we'll see what happens with Andrade. Another question I have to ask here, and I, I, I hurt myself asking this because I really don't want to have to ask this question, but is this all Zelina Vega's fault? Is this all her fault in the way of, of all these names that we've come to enjoy in the WWE and Aleister Black and Andrade? Uh, she has, and Angel Garza had that too, she has had a direct connection with all of these stars, both on-screen and off-screen, obviously with Aleister Black being that they're married. So possibly, so far, whoever Zelina Vega has been involved with, as I mentioned, both on and off-screen, has felt the wrath of Vince McMahon. Aleister Black is nowhere to be found. Angel Garza is wrestling on main event. Andre, and Andrade asked for his release and got it. Uh, there might be something to look at there. There might be something to look at there to look at a little bit deeper into, uh, Delina Vega obviously uh, was re released from the uh, WWE, and after her release, I, honestly before her release, uh, before it was truly announced, she said that she wanted to unionize, which is a big no-no in the world of the WWE at least, and honestly in the world of professional wrestling right now, unionization is not something that when brought up is uh, looked upon highly behind uh, behind the scenes and especially with WWE management, that is a big, big, big no-no talking about unionization. That is like, ugh, that, that, that gives me the heebie-jeebies because I know uh, what trouble that can get someone into. And obviously, not, she had her job lost, but she lost it, lost it. And I don't know if she'll be able to find it somewhere else. So uh, Andrade uh, has big things ahead of him, without a doubt, because the potential is all there. The question is, when he lands where he lands, how will the company, wherever he lands, treat him? How will he be treated? Uh, my, I bring it back to Miro because we all expect him to be this world beater. And he finally makes it over to AEW. And now, after all this time at AEW, now he's finally to pick up some head of steam. And I felt like it's taken a pretty long time for Miro for his full story to develop. It really has taken quite some time. And I'm hoping to see it progress a little bit faster for him as well. Looking at tomorrow's episode, we're going to be talking about tonight's Impact Wrestling. Speaking of Kenny Omega, Kenny Omega and Don Callis return to Impact. Carl Anderson versus Eddie Edwards in this Impact as well. Deanna Peraza versus Jazz. Ace Austin versus TJP in an X Division Championship match. Ace Austin coming into this as the new uh, X Division Champion. And Matt Cardona sits down for an interview uh, on Impact Wrestling as well. And that's all for me. Remember, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That is 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com at checkout using the code FANSIDED20, all caps there. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite providers. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. And if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at TV. I'll see you tomorrow with another episode of the Daily DDT Podcast.